that covers the game Super Mario 3D All-Stars. I am your host, Anthony Cortez, joined by... Luke. And I'm Ben. Last week, we finished Super Mario Sunshine, and this week, we triple jump into Super Mario oh. Galaxy. Aha! Uh-huh. Originally for the Nintendo Wii. This game takes much of the gameplay for 64 and Sunshine and packages it into a 50s B-movie Fantasia sci-fi Mario epic, where he must once again save the princess and collect stars to beat the big boss Bowser. So, as usual, uh, we'll start with a brief history, um, but I thought I'd take it in a different direction today because I am loving this game. Like, it is... It is a deep love. I am just, I, I just, I had fun every single moment. And that is super rare for, for, uh, I think anyone, me, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so the, uh, <laughs> the history I chose is the history of perspective. Um, and the reason why I wanted to go over it is it is something that is extremely important to art and art design and, and design in general is how you set up a uh, perspective, but we all kind of take it for granted. And it's just like, you know, X, Y axis, we plop a character in there and it runs around. Right. And I, and I feel, you know, we have to kind of look at perspective. Um, you know, and the, the creators of this game definitely were looking at perspective um, from a uh, kind of a different lens, uh, no pun intended. Um, so I'm going to kind of get into the, the history of perspective but first of all we'll just um do a brief um small history on super mario so uh super mario galaxy was released november 7th 2007 uh, and it literally seems like yesterday uh, it came out uh for the wii which came out in 2006 the uh, wii surpassed um xbox and ps3 sales by millions and millions of sales um, most people credit that to its gimmick, Luke, um, the Wiimote and its nunchuck. So the Wiimote acts as this um, Bluetooth remote that basically, you know, it uses your arm as a as a as the main controller when that Wiimote is activated. Um, so. Super Mario Galaxy kind of capitalizes on that technology and you get to do a bunch of cool stuff with Mario in the game. So before we actually get into Super Mario Galaxy, we're going to jump into perspective. So perspective um, is a, you know, it's, it's theoretical. It's this thing in art where it's, you know, it's how you see things from a certain vantage point, but if you want to take it a step further, it's really the lens that you choose to see things with. So for instance, we are human beings and humans have Yes, all a... of us are human beings. Except Luke. Uh it's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> I'm a uh, so we <laughs> I yeah, I'm the ape man. Um um, so the, the the easiest way I could kind of explain for it for a, a audience that kind of hasn't taken art history or art course is that um, humans typically see things with a 
vanishing point in mind, in their mind. You know, you look into the distance and things recede into the background. So a building in front of you obviously will look bigger than a building um, going into the distance. Eventually, that point that you see in the distance vanishes and, and um, you lose track of that perspective. But you can do a bunch of different things with perspective and the thing that super mario galaxy capitalizes on is five point perspective or curvilinear perspective which we're going to talk about what that means so we have i think we have to kind of think about perspective um as an invention so um for thousands of years most cultures didn't draw or illustrate their um paintings or their uh you know their illustrations in perspective, um, you do have examples in Egypt, in Greece, in Rome, um, you know, the, uh, communities and cultures that were in uh, the East, to use kind of now an outdated term, um, were using different um, styles to communicate perspective. So for instance, if you were painting a scene, you know, deities or mountains or things that were spiritual, you know, they were in the background, but they had grandeur over the foreground characters and they would use um, basically overlapping figures um, to to demonstrate that perspective. But uh, the science of perspective really wasn't invented into until the 1500s um, with uh, the rise of the Renaissance. So basically in 1505, uh, this French dude, I don't even need to pronounce his name. He writes uh, the first treatise on perspective. Oh, I implore um, you try to pronounce his name. Uh, Jean Pellerin. Uh, so he co coins the term vanishing point. Uh, before then, we have some examples in, in uh, medieval art of perspective. But if you look, take a look at these paintings and these early uh, perspective uh, drawings as well. They're really elementary. Uh, things look super funky. So you can get like, you know, a bed that is receding into nowhere or, you know, a building that, you know, looks like it was cut in half when it really didn't need to, to look that way. So, you know, they were um, manufacturing perspective, but it really didn't it was an evolution and i'm not going to get into that evolution it's very fascinating but basically um you know renaissance artists start to get really really good at communicating um their drawings and perspective and, and you know that's kind of i think that's how a lot of uh people feel about the renaissance is that you know they they were the first to kind of communicate realism in in a in in a way that that we recognize today so Basically, you you start uh, they start defining um, perspective, and they realize, oh wow, we can now place points in uh, situations that actually don't exist in real life. Um, so, the example we're going to go over today is called curvilinear perspective, and you get some stuff like Van Eyck and, and some uh, people from the Netherlands that start to, you know, uh, look at things like bowls or, or reflective objects like, uh, uh, you know, a, an orb or a, a ball and see, see these reflections and see how, you know, the, the light bends around these objects. And, and it's a very hard technique to master. Um, so you kind of have to create this grid. Um, and we're going to kind of talk about what, what this grid is. Um, because it wasn't formalized until 1968 with a publication by Andre Baer and Albert Falcon 
called the curvilinear perspective. Um, so they 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 uh, formalized curvilinear perspective by looking at M.C. Escher, which, of course, was looking at all the guys that I just kind of was talking about. And so if you've ever been into a college dorm, you've probably seen some sort of M.C. Escher, Escher um, poster, um, maybe, you know, the guy with the the ball in his hand and, and Escher is uh, looking at himself or I mean, maybe that is the, one of Escher's... Yeah, that's, that's the quintessential yeah. curvilinear perspective is uh, M.C. Escher's self-portrait of himself holding a reflective orb. Exactly. And you've, you've, you've seen it places. And if, if, if you, you know... Uh, anyway, uh, so these guys were looking at Escher and, and they were just enthralled by what he was doing. And so they start... Uh, they write this treatise, they create these grid maps, and, you know, it it gives um, artists and, and, and people that work in design kind of this roadmap to really um, t- test the limits of what perspective is. And, you know, you have all these artists today that are doing crazy things with perspective. If you've ever been to a chalk art festival, you know, chalk art artists are just in love with this idea of, of uh, messing with perspective and, and what that is. So... That's just just the the nitty gritty of perspective. So I want to go back to Super Mario Galaxy and like how did these two things kind of inter intersect? So when I was playing it, I was noticing they are playing with curvilinear perspective in the game. But what is very interesting about Galaxy is that they're putting curvilinear perspective into a naturalistic perspective um, picture plane. So you know, as Mario is um, you know hopping onto planetoids or, or, you know, these, these more, uh, these smaller shaped objects and, and going through them. And, and as you're playing the game, the focal point isn't the horizon. The focal point is, is, you know, the center of that planetoid. And what they do in the game is, uh, you know, how to mimic curvilinear perspective. Um, you know, it's not a distortion. They use gravity to make, um, all the objects go into that focal point. So, I was looking through a lot of papers and articles and interviews, and I was just like, "This, this is this has to be a a pivotal moment in the history of perspective." Just how what, what the creators of Mario Galaxy were kind of thinking um, when they designed these levels, and I, you know, I I, I think my conclusion out of all of this because it's more of a, a theoretical history that I'm talking about is that, you know, they have created something novel. They've created something very new in, in, in game, uh, you know, design where they're, you know, taking this, um, you know, this difficult thing to do. Uh, it's not, it's not easy to create, um, you know, curvilinear perspective, at least from a drawing, um, uh, an illustration standpoint, but then applying it to a game and then, using that process to then put it back into uh, natural perspective and and kind of you know have you the the player move around in in, in that space so um, that's pretty much all I had for it I thought it'd be a cool thing to talk about um, but again maybe I'm completely off base and I don't know what I'm talking about but that's that, that was my thoughts for uh, this week yeah that's super interesting to um I would never have have thought to relate it to perspective per se, but I think it's interesting to talk about the 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 glow uh, the whatever the metal ball 
and sort of thinking about that because what what is the actual analysis there right of, of an artist who's looking at that well what you're what you're really observing is that for a curved reflective surface the angle between the sort of um, vector perpendicular to the plane any at any part of that ball and the uh, your eye and that ball that point on the ball is changing and that's what's making the reflection become all warped and distorted and, and, and stretched right uh, and so it's interesting because ultimately the same thing is kind of happening when you're moving Mario around this planetoid is that the angle between your perspective and the motion of the analog stick, that angle is changing um, because the angle of gravity is changing as Mario moves around. So it's kind of interesting to relate it to visual perspective. Obviously, as you're pointing out, you kind of, everything kind of gets sucked into this one specific spot and you kind of understand it as being the sort of source of gravity. But it's, uh, it's interesting to sort of um, think about it from a visual perspective standpoint because ultimately what they're doing is they're varying the direction of gravity, which is an extremely challenging thing to do in, in that style of programming, uh, mainly because you have to think about how it's affecting the direction of collision. And so the way that they managed to resolve that and make it feel tactile in terms of the collision is pretty amazing because there are never these weird moments where Mario is like on his face or whatever when he should be landing on his feet. They pulled that off very nicely. So I don't know what the fuck you guys did this week, but I played a children's video game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is far and away 100% my very favorite Mario game uh, by quite a wide margin. And all the hours I've pumped into this game, I had actually never considered um, how they use perspective as like an artistic tool. Because, I mean, that would have to be a major design consideration because the camera's flipping all over the place and there is no clear point on the horizon where lines converge or at least right. it changes a lot. So that's actually a really interesting new way to think about it. And I am, I'm going to keep an eye out for any developer tricks I can see going forward when I'm, when I'm replaying this again. Um, I, I don't really have anything more to add. You guys kind of uh, <clears throat> prepared way more than I did for this. So no, I, I, so I think I've mentioned before on the podcast uh, to anyone that's listening at home that I am a visual artist, so I'm constantly thinking about things like perspective and, and just kind of like where the focal point lies on, on, a, on a picture plane. So this, this was a, you know, been, it's been on my mind. Um, and then as I was playing it, it was like these guys that were developing it, they had to be considering this, this, um, this, this technique um and you know they pulled it off just so well um and i think another thing to talk about as we're going forward is as luke mentioned is talking about the camera and just how stable it is and and, and just from an artistic perspective of you know having that focal point you know in a very very novel place in a way that i, I would say just most games you, you don't have that the 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 focal point is in, in a in a like i said in a vanishing point it's in an imaginary point and you could point it out you know but in, in this game it's 
it's different. It's a different, a totally different way of, of looking at the world in most, in most, um, uh, uh, level. So let's high jump in, shall we? Oh, you must stop. You're not even <laughs> no, a dad. You I'm... can't make these jokes. <laughs> I'm a dad to a chihuahua, so you shut up. <laughs> All right, so Super Mario Galaxy. It starts off in a similar way to uh, the 3D Mario games that we've been playing. Um, so it is, you know, Super Mario in general, it is not known for its sweeping cinematic um uh, cutscenes, but we do get some. Mario is on his way to visit Peach uh, at her castle um, and is costed by Bowser, who this time is flying a fleet of pirate ships and is stereotypical 50s B-movie UFO. It cuts the earth underneath Peach's castle and lifts it into the air. In the sequence, Mario gets a chance to explore the castle grounds, talk to some toads, and get used to the controllers, which we should be somewhat familiar if you're a 3D uh, Mario vet. Um, after uh, the Bowser encounter, Mario was blast into uh, the sky, I guess, uh, through a portal, which becomes very common in the game. Um, and he gets lifted into this King Kai sort of uh, some sort of planetoid. Um, so that that's kind of like the the opening of the game. And so you get a you get a move around and you get a you know play around with Mario. And 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 it also sets up the story in a, in a storybook, which I'm going to kind of address later. So. What did you all think about the, the opening sequence of, of Super Mario Galaxy? Uh, this is definitely one that I'm so familiar with that I don't think about it every time I start the game up. Um, anyway, I like it. It sets up the world really nicely, and it, it definitely lets you know that this is um, a much like prettier, slightly more saturated uh, kind of color palette that they're going for. The animation mm. is like still just butter smooth and i always really appreciate nintendo's attention to detail when it comes to uh engine optimization every time there's a new mainline mario mm -hmm. i still think these games like i love nintendo's adherence to uh like cartoony art styles because they mm -hmm. hold up just unbelievably well decades after they should mm. yeah i mean I, I definitely agree with that like the first thing you're struck with is just like oh man this looks good like uh, the the yeah. texture Nintendo on Mario's turned out for this one. yummy, yummy, yeah. yummy. <laughs> I didn't say yummy, but you know, at the same time, you see some of those star bits. <laughs> see some of those star bits, and I like that they just start dropping those immediately because you're just kind of like, oh, what is this? And it gets you used to kind of moving the uh, the thing around. And that's actually something I want to talk about real quick. I was very nervous for how it was going to feel to move the the Switch Joy-Con around. Um, and especially in handheld mode to use the touch screen. And I was very happy to find that it was very not a problem uh, the time while well, I was getting used to it. I immediately thought, oh, wow, this, this already feels pretty much the same as it felt back when I was playing it on the Wii um, years and years ago. So that's a th quick thing I wanted to point out. But I do think that, you know, the intro is fine i i like the style of it i'm i'm not particularly again um enraptured i think i still am partial to the beginning of super mario 64 where you just hop out of a thing and get going but um it's still it's a very well conducted scene and i, th I think it's effective no I, I agree with that i i think with the controllers um because it felt you're right it felt very reminiscent of uh the wii I was just wondering why are there not why aren't there more Switch games that take advantage yeah. of 
these actually good motion controls I've, that I'm just I, like, huh. This, I thought the same thing. You know, I think this, back is, this to is like, great. I think back to like the, the third Metroid Prime, which felt great. And like, if you can do motion controls that effectively for aiming, I say, why not? Like things, and you know, I, I immediately, I was like, this feels every, every bit as good as it did on, on the, on the Wii. And I wasn't sure if it would. So. Yeah. Counterpoint to that. Uh, I've been playing with the pro controller, which is much more like, you know, a standard Xbox or PlayStation mm-hmm. controller. And it is, it's not like difficult to wrap your head around, but manipulating both hands to act as a facsimile of like the Wii remote is still imprecise. And I can see why they wouldn't want to, since they always develop their games to work with both Joy-Cons and pro controllers and like, you know, attached handheld mode when it's in, you know, uh, when it's in its like portable version, I can see why they wouldn't want to devote a lot of resources to a game making something like a shooter um, that would that would have to work with every control scheme. Right. No, I I, th- I think that's fair. That's a fair point. But I would also would say to the I would say the colors aren't su- saturated. I would say sixty four is a more saturated game. But yeah, it's but the bounce, it's the it's the bounce light that's really making this game beautiful so if you you know there's so there's always a the light that comes uh in in any scene or anything that you're doing but then there's these bounce lights that that are everywhere you know they're bouncing off walls they're bouncing off tables and there's this great bounce light to all the characters and creates these auras around mario and the characters and i think that is just what stuck out at the beginning um, yeah, I wonder if you they know. incorporated light probes. This may have been the first Mario game that had light probes. Those are basically like they calculate all of the um, bounce light like you're describing, Anthony. But doing mm-hmm. that live is extremely uh, uh, hardware intensive. So yeah. they basically generate these cube maps that are these light probes that as you move into different parts of the environment, you're going to pick up different pizza, pieces of light. Uh, it could have been around this time that they would have done something like that. I think that 2007 sounds about right. I'm, yeah, I'm it's almost, a great effect. I'm almost certain that they didn't. I think it was an engine thing where uh, they would designate certain objects as emitting a small amount of balloon lighting that they would bake into the environment like Maybe. so that they didn't have to calculate in real time. Because you're right, that is incredibly taxing. And the Wii's hardware was essentially just a GameCube, like identical architecture to a GameCube uh, with a slightly faster processor, slightly faster RAM, which is why mm-hmm. it was uh, natively backwards compatible with all GameCube games is because they didn't have to emulate anything. It was mm-hmm. just a stronger GameCube. And it, that's I don't I don't think it was strong enough to, to do that at a, a good frame rate, especially not with all the gravity calculations. But, well, whatever they did, it looks really <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. working. So uh, after we do this opening sequence um you go to this training area which you know again these little planetoids make me just immediately think of king kai uh so it's made up of three rabbits which we have mentioned a couple times already in this podcast uh they're originally testing sprites for the 64 um they're in this game they're bugaboo of mine they're not sprites the sprites are two-dimensional images uh they're models uh, models, they're testing models. They were testing models uh, for the 64. But in this game, uh, we they're used to train Mario and further get used to the controls, particularly the spin move and the uh, the star gun. I don't know. I forgot its name. I'm going to call it the star uh, gun from now on. Yeah, 
Star Gun, which is great. And also, uh, it's also a great I didn't. Re- <laughs> I didn't realize that a, a second player uh, can use the Star Gun, which is mm-hmm. pretty fucking cool. I really, I didn't learn that until like. 30 minutes ago. Um, so these sure. rabbits turn into stars, which you realize shortly after that you must collect. So this is a very, very, very short little training level. Um, any thoughts about this one? Not really. I mean, it's good to see the bunnies come back. I'm pro bunny. That's the end of my opinion. <laughs> I, I I ate and made my first rabbit stew this week, and they are delicious. Why would you that say that? That is such a gruesome <laughs> factoid to include right now. It's very... Very bizarre to be like, look at these cute bunnies. I ate one this week. I, that reminds me of something I slaughtered and cooked. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I actually really like this level because it uh, it gets you used to just like so quickly um, how to play with gravity and the fact that you will not be working with a flat plane ninety nine percent of the time. Right, uh, and it's just it's it's a nice safe area. You can fall all the way through the planet, which lets you know that they're not like you know doing half measures with mm-hmm. centers of gravity changing. Uh, I actually think it's a, a really nice tutorial level, and again, yeah, it's, it's just it, nice to see the bunnies come back because at this point they're almost staples. Right, I know I, I agree with that. I I think the thing that like I was I've been mentioning throughout the podcast is just pacing, you know, and and this just felt really nice. It's at the whole transition between this, the the opening sequence and this sequence, um, you know, it, it wasn't as uh, forced fed to you as as the flood um, controls were in, in Sunshine, mm. you know. So everything's being paced yeah. well, in, in my opinion, up until this point. And they brought back the running long jump, which is just like, oh, yes, I yes. can't believe how they much hurt us it becomes, back in time. It becomes very important in yeah. this game, in my experience, too. It felt like, oh, my God, it felt like having a leg chopped off to not have it in, in Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Now that it's back, I'm just like, how do they ever think removing that was an OK idea? And then also in Sunshine, I don't know if you ever, even to the last levels, I still found myself you do it holding the arp. Yeah. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Mario then meets Rosalina, who is the adopted mother uh, of the Lumas, who are the stars that you're trying to collect, and the Watcher of the Cosmos, as she keeps an eye um, on the Cosmos from her observatory, which is the main hub of the game. Rosalina is the apparent... Uh, apparently telling this larger narrative in Rosalina's storybook uh, that um, one of the writers actually wrote uh, a, a complete um, storybook, uh, Yoshi Aki Kazumi, and we've definitely talked about him before. So he actually wrote the Rosalina storybook. Is that right? Um, yeah, and there's an that. unpublished longer version of it as well. Oh, no one. I would actually I like to read that. Yeah, so you know oh, that it's pretty cool that there's a narrative that that one of the guys um, on their team actually thought about this time, and it didn't seem you know it's so far it doesn't seem as hodgepodge as the last storyline, which is fine. It doesn't really <laughs> matter because these storylines are zany anyway. Um, so the observatory is made up of these mini observation domes that contain portals to enter the galaxy systems. In these systems contain all of our levels that are called galaxies, and each galaxy has missions you must complete to attain Lumas. Totally so misnomer. what do we think about this area, our, our main hub, our observatory area? I don't particularly like it, to be honest with you. I think it's definitely the worst of the 3D Marios so far. Um, 
If my memory serves me correctly, towards the end it becomes kind of fun. But at this point, it just kind of feels like a space to get you from one point to the other. And there's not a lot of intrigue or interesting stuff between points A and point B. And frankly, they warp you to talk to Rosalina way too many times, who rarely has anything interesting to say, in my opinion. So, I don't love the hub area in Super Mario Galaxy. I it just it doesn't mm. I think if you're going to I I'm actually okay with not doing a hub area but I think if you're going to do one you have to think about what does it set up contextually and I I think they actually to be fair have done that a little bit with with this uh, observatory but I just don't think that it's very interesting to explore whereas I mean Princess Peach's castles extremely interesting to explore in my opinion and even Delfino Plaza I think is is kind of fun it's it's an interesting little space to to go around in so eh. so I, I I would agree with you that uh it is the least world of the hub worlds I mean there is almost nothing to do but go into the pre-designed levels as opposed to like say Delfino or Peach's Castle, which are levels under themselves that are totally optional, but they're there if you want to do it. I don't mind it. I, I think it's actually a really... It, uh, it's designed in a way that I think fosters uh, what Rosalina's character is supposed to do. It's supposed to be like a, a safe, comfortable, pretty place mm. uh, that, uh, you know, when you're there, that's it. You know, you're, you're, you're hanging yeah. out, you're relaxing, you're taking a breather. Um, so I think it fits uh, really well with the tone that they were going for, but it is definitely mechanically less interesting than either of the last two hubs. Yeah, it, it definitely seems the least world and inter interactive, um, but it is weird. It's like weird to look at. It is interesting to look at. I don't, I think that's cool. There's like a black hole and a sun and, a, and these green things. And then there's a toad spaceship. It's a hodgepodge. I don't know. It's weird. And I, that, I like it because it's weird. And that's the only thing I could say at this point. But I, I agree with it's the least interactive and therefore it's, you know, not as interesting as the other two hub areas. Yeah. And I spent some time talking to some of the toads and, and none of them really had anything funny or, or fun to say. There's just not a lot to yeah. do there that's that's particularly like in Mario Sunshine. A lot of times it was cringy, but you could guarantee that all of those <laughs> piantas were going to say something ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm a chucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually thought I know we're kind of done with Sunshine, but I think that one was my favorite just because it was its own world. It just had so many, much stuff to do and I was always hopping around and chasing shit and, you know, that was fun. I agree. But this one this one looks fun and that that's kind of already and, at least keeps I, my interest. So you... I do like oh, the ahead. domes. I'll, I'll give them... I, I think the domes themselves are a, a good idea and a good way of structuring how you go through it. So I do I do like that part of it just, just fine. I think it's an effective yeah. way of organizing the game's levels. It makes it a little more streamlined. Uh, if I have one complaint about Delfino, it's that because it is big and it's supposed to feel like a town, which it does, which is impressive, it makes it a little annoying to get to a level to get something done. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, where the, the dome organization uh, takes away a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So it's it's definitely more functional, but it, it definitely sacrifices some uh, mechanical interest to do that. Right. So... Uh... 
basically you get to go inside of these domes. The domes themselves are portals to galaxies, um, systems, galaxy systems, and galaxies. Uh, and if you haven't played the game, um, it looks like a solar system, kind of a high school solar system, right? Total Each, misnomer, uh, by the way. I was personally <laughs> offended. But then so, again, Super Mario, many solar systems is not exactly a catchy name. No, it isn't. But anyway, it looks like a solar system, and the things are designed on your map to look like planets, um, and you get to, in a sense, choose um, which planet, but you do have to collect star or lumas. I'm going to call them stars. I don't like that word. You collect stars to unlock um, each new well, galaxy. Well, they are called stars. Lumas are the little star... Star childs. Who oh, are great. They're called, well, then I can start yeah, calling them stars now. power Thank stars. You. Uh... So you've got to collect stars to unlock these galaxies within this um, dome that you are. Uh, uh, it's a portal to, to these these places. So let's just get started. Uh, the first galaxy that you get to play around in is the Good Egg Galaxy. This galaxy is kind of a, um, you know, if you've ever played it or if you haven't, it's it's like this disparate uh system of planetoids that you get to kind of launch from one planetoid to the next as you complete your missions. Um, there's three stars in this one. Um, and this is kind of where you get to, uh, you know, test um, the mechanics that you just learned um, in the last 15, 20 minutes or so of the game. So uh, what did we think about the good egg galaxy? Again, a total misnomer. There's only one egg in it, and it is not a good egg. Other than that, no complaints. You're a bad egg, Ben. Yeah, you're. Wah <laughs> wah. <laughs> it's um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I I guess you could start with the Dino Piranha, who's pretty hilarious. Uh, I I like the way that that plays out, where He's you so crash cute. into this egg. Uh, and then you jump off of the egg and it's kind of marching around. And this is the point where the game is teaching you like pretty much anything big and ball like just run up to and you can just smack it and something's going to happen. And so, sure enough, you smack that big ball and then it crashes into his head. And uh, then, you know, the fight itself is is pretty simplistic. And uh, frankly, the the first the whole first dome of, of Super Mario Galaxy is what I would characterize as insanely easy. Uh, I don't know if they're just really trying to focus on getting you used to the um, core sort of premise of the game of like, you have to be thinking about gravity all the time. But I, it, quite frankly, I felt like many of these levels um, have a lot of spectacle to them. That's very visually impressive, but they aren't really act asking you to do anything terribly sophisticated other than just kind of walk around these spaces and find some star bits and then unlock the next path to the next space and see the cutscene where Mario flies through the air, which is super, um, super cool to watch always. But uh, other than that, I, I don't think the Good Egg Galaxy does as much that's terribly interesting, to be completely frank. I think it's a, just a they want you to get comfortable with gravity. See, I would completely disagree with that statement. Uh, the reason why is because there's just you're you're if you're playing the game for the first time, you're in a completely novel space. 
you're probably disoriented. I, I, I think I was the first time I played it. And, you know, you really have to get acquainted with the mechanics of the game. It doesn't allow you to fail, which is fine. And I think, you know, that it is it makes for a good um, first game. It, it, and it gets you... Uh, I really like this this level because the planetoids they're each they're they're you're always having fun you're always having fun on each planetoid there's like these many challenges on each and every um planetoid and um the thing i i like about this level the most and i like about this game the most is that space itself is maximized to the fullest extent you 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 the walls the if there is walls um the objects the the everything in in these planetoids there's something to do there's something to collect there's something to explore um and i i just had a blast just just running around um this galaxy yeah i'm uh i'm more on anthony's side uh but then again you know i I've said a couple times already that this is a game that I've pumped a lot of hours into. So the whole game feels pretty easy to me, but it's it's also very, very comfortable. So I still really, really enjoy playing it, but I don't think I have a good uh, perspective on what it's like to either revisit it after a very, very long time or play it new. Uh, so this to me, I mean, the Good Egg Galaxy is like, it's like putting on one like a favorite pair of socks, you know. It's not yeah. thrilling, <laughs> certainly, but damn, is it comfortable? Yeah, I think mm. part of the it, I, I should emphasize. I think, as I've hopefully emphasized before, that I, I don't need something to be super taxing or challenging to find it engaging. I mean, I, I would cite. Super oh, well, then Mario you should play Dark Odyssey. Souls. I do like Dark Souls, but um, yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, but. I would cite Super Mario Odyssey as an example of a game that I think is actually pretty easy most of the time, but I think mm-hmm. that they give you a lot to do that I think makes it... That's that's my favorite 3D Mario game, um, just because there's so many different little things to play with, and it's also interesting, and they give you so many opportunities to explore. And the, the thing about Galaxy, and you know, I, I just I want to zoom out from Good Egg a little bit... Um, is that when it when this game came out, I absolutely adored this game, and it was I was so excited for it, and and I loved it, and I actually replayed it more recently than any than the other two. I think I played this game again like maybe six years ago while I was living uh, like two houses ago, um, and at the time I again still really liked it. I think going through this first dome, I'm noticing some things that I didn't really notice before. Uh, that will become kind of a theme, I imagine, as we go on, where, you know, Super Mario Galaxy is a far, far, far less exploration-oriented game when you compare it to Super Mario 64 or Super Mario Sunshine. It's a lot more, you know, totally we agree. have this we have mm. this impetus for this very specific theme for this galaxy where you're going to do a few levels, or we have a very specific thing we're trying to accomplish with this one specific level and what i found going through this whole first dome is that i've got all this like fluency in super mario 3d controls and none of it is really being leveraged i mean um they are doing a lot to kind of explore what gravity can mean and letting me have fun with that and so that's definitely appreciated but 
I never really found a reason that I needed to do a triple jump or a long jump. I mean, pretty much any challenge that existed or anything for me to do could be accomplished by either just spinning or just doing a quick jump. So it's, I think it's leaning a lot on the spectacle, and there's not a lot in this first world that I find all that engaging, to be completely frank. Oh, that's okay. that's totally fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is it is definitely uh, from top to bottom designed to be an intro. Let's get our hooks into you and see where we can go from here. Not a right. you know, well, having brought up Dark Souls a couple seconds ago, uh, it's definitely not supposed to be like an asylum where it's like, oh, you think you want to play Mario? Fuck you. <laughs> that's Which fine, is... but you know, uh, we have just spent like a couple of months playing more difficult Mario games, so it can feel a little. It, it's it's easy to feel a little less enthusiastic about this opening level because it's already not right. Well, even uh, even comparing not, it to not, the Bob on level, even comparing it. it to the Bob on level, I didn't die on the Bob on level, but there's so many nooks and crannies to explore. I, I just wish that maybe they did something more like that, where they and they kind of do in the second star where you have to collect all the star bits to feed the hungry Luma. They're trying to encourage you to like try to go to all these different planetoids and and see how you can pick up star bits. But there's just part of me that wanted to just have some freedom to kind of run around these different planetoids mm. and just kind of let come what may and super mario galaxy is less interested in you having that freedom than mario 64 or mario sunshine were that's not necessarily right. a knock in my opinion uh i actually kind of enjoy that uh every every star that you collect is slightly more linear uh mm. because it reminds me of the design philosophy of old mario games where it yes. wasn't you know I, yeah there's yeah, a big yeah, 2D plane and you have to go from one end to the other and one end to the other and one end to the other and like what's the goal no, it's, right. it's start here, end here, and face right. all the challenges in between. So I think it, it's it's nice because it's really well curated. The challenge that the developers know you're going to face is really well curated. Uh, yeah, so I, I, it's a little I, less free, with... but it's 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 more tightly designed. I think. See, this goes back to the secret level divide that we're having. You know, the secret level. The, the, this this game is the Sunshine Secret Levels amplified by. A, a, a hundred you know like the secret levels are very linear they, they expect you to accomplish a certain goal and it goes back to the original design philosophies it goes back to miyamoto's uh whole mario thesis um i think the thing the only thing that it's leaving out with the mario thesis is that in this opening um level and then levels to come the threat of falling off of the map is very very low therefore I, you know, it's an opening level. It's supposed to feel safe. Anyway, we're going to move on to the Honey Hive Galaxy. Okay, so our next galaxy is the high Honey Hive Galaxy. Uh, the Honey Hive Galaxy is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It is a honey hive in the sky where you meet these bee-like creatures mario gets a fantastic bee suit oh god <laughs> looks so good <laughs> um and uh you get, um and uh 
in in this in this uh, world in this galaxy, it takes on the form of a more traditional uh, 3D Mario level. Gravity is a lot of times on your side. The physics are are now back where you know it, they were in 64 and Sunshine and a lot of parts, which is. I, I know I'm, I'm just gonna throw out my opinion, but it's that that is just an, was such a nice touch. You know, the larger the surfaces, the gravity gets, um, you know, more quote unquote natural. And as you know, planetoids become smaller or depending on your space, gravity is different. And that, that was fantastic. But um, yeah, the Honey Hive Galaxy is, uh, you know, it, it is it is quite delightful. But what did you all think about the Honey Hive Galaxy? Um, my favorite thing about the Honey Hive Galaxy is in the second um, the second mission, you kind of climb up this tree and then you drop down through this hole and then you find all these little snapper bugs that are running around and they're kind of this little minor inconvenience to get around. Um, and then you meet uh, one on top of the, the, the tree at the very end and there's one that has like a little a little baby one on his back. And then you just kill them, and he gets mad, and he comes at you, and then you like kill you him too. Yes. And you're like, okay, that was pretty yeah. easy. That was kind of anticlimactic. Oh, well. And then you get the star. And then when you come back in the third mission, <laughs> there's like an infestation of these bugs just like harassing all of the bee villagers. <laughs> I just love the right. story. I just love that as like a story of like... Oh, I just went and got right. this star and killed these two little annoying bugs, and then you come back and they've waged war on the on the bee population, <laughs> and then you have to, and then you fight like an actually. I think it's a really, I think it's the best boss fight so far in the game. Um, the the flying like beetle that you have to, as the bee fly up into the air off of the uh, off of the daffodils or whatever, and then crash land on that on that flying beetle. I think mm. that was a really well-designed fight. Yeah. And, and it's, again, not challenging, but to me that's the kind of not challenge that I like where it's like they're still giving you something interesting to engage with and there are multiple ways of you to go about it. So um, I, I, I like it. I, I Again, th there's part of me, I do wish that B Mario gave you a little more flexibility. Like I wish I could still do the long jump, but um, still being B Mario is fun and I love the outfit and uh, I like kind of the narrative of this of this world. I think it's really really funny and, and fun mm. yeah uh i'm i'm with you on the the narrative aspect of it which i mean you never really consider that there is a narrative in a lot of these mario levels because you're in them for a relatively short amount of time and it's mostly utilitarian like most of the changes that happen star to star are mostly utilitarian but i always love when there's that little bit of like oh oh i see what's going on here like <laughs> You know, apparently I, I smushed this giant bug's, like, kid brother, and uh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I definitely haven't played this game. It sounds like you two have played this game a lot, or at least more than once. I have not even beaten this game. Um, and now that I think about it, I think I might have even gone just to this dome, and this was a long time ago. So, oh, you're in um, I like... I like how uh, I like how um, going from the honey or going from the good egg galaxy. Sorry, is it good? Good egg galaxy to the honey hive galaxy. You know the they're completely different worlds. Like I feel like I'm in a again more traditional Mario space, and and I just came out of this other space. So it's it it gives me 
new mechanics to play around with and i and i really liked um you know how the mechanics worked because they include the mechanics from the last level and they're introducing some new mechanics and you know if you are kind of been playing these 3d mario games you have more um you know you can, can you can bust out the triple jump because there's enough room to do it and the, and the gravity is is different so mm-hmm. you know i i really liked um just the juxtaposition between the two galaxies and and you know i i liked how all the characters so far have been designed they're so fun yeah. um and they they fill you know it's like the right amount of difficulty at this point at least for me um to have fun uh and not you know be stressed uh, about you know whether i'm i'm losing or not losing so i, I like the honey hive galaxy i agree yeah i like that the um I like when you meet the first like big bee queen and she just makes mm. you crawl all over yes. her to get all the little to get all the little uh, gold stars. There is a small part of me that it's kind of an adjustment getting used to each galaxy just being three stars and it I do I don't know, sometimes I think it works well and other times it's it's kind of like there's part of me that wishes that they this space was a little bit more filled out, but at the same time, it's also nice that you can move on to something new so quickly. So I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like it. It's like, uh, you know how shows on Netflix now, uh, they're like, why does why do have shows have to be an hour? Right. You know, I think we kind of yeah. first saw it in masters of none where you're like, you know, by the second season, he's like, I can make a 20 minute episode and I can make an hour episode. You know, it really depends right. on, the, the narrative and the 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 had the tone that I want the audience to fill and I feel like with this game they're just like throwing the shit in it there because on our next um galaxy uh the loop de loop loop de loop galaxy you know it's one star and it's just like a it's a level it's like a and it, you know it's its own game almost and I really like how they're like a level can just be a, a mini game yeah. or a level can be a very difficult challenge or a level can be a, a a a map into a boss so you know i i love the the idea that that levels don't have to have a, a set amount of anything to, to complete it I'm, I'm having a great time um um you know going through the the uh galaxies because of that so but let's talk about the loop-de-loop galaxy yeah i don't know about you guys but uh the absolute entire 100% of the time I was in the loop-de-loop galaxy, I was playing the loop-de-loop SpongeBob song written by Ween. <laughs> <laughs> you make a loop-de-loop, loop-de-loop and pull. And shoes, and your shoes are, looking, are cool. looking cool. You go over and back. Yeah, so the whole time, uh, which, by the way, no, not a thinking about that. that made that the most delightful level for me. So, so let me preface the Loopy Loop Galaxy really fast. Um, it is what would be classified as a, a more of an aquatic level, <laughs> but uh, it is literally a river placed in space. So it's just yeah. it is just water uh, in a in a in a river form, and you're on a manta ray, and you get to use uh, the motion controls as a steering wheel. Uh, to navigate, which is essentially what I think they're probably going to do a race in the future. You get to do it by yourself. It looks like they're probably going to do some sort of race with it. Um, so that's pretty, it takes a minute. It should take about a minute to complete this level. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I don't know. It made me feel like I was in a in, in an arcade, you know, like it, it should be in an, a, 
in a you know an arcade bar in a three it should be a 3d game yeah it's like mario does level. wave racer yeah mario does wave racer with motion controls i, I loved it it's it, was, nice. it was just fun yeah, it's a nice yeah. it's a nice little one-off uh, I, right. I really appreciate that they put the time and effort in to make like little one-offs that are like they don't belong in any one galaxy and they don't have to take up a bunch of like development real estate to make that giant you know water track fit anywhere not that right. that concerned about it. They could have just thrown it in anywhere. Yeah. But it's nice that it's its own thing. You can do it if you want to. But you don't have to. Actually, yeah, do exactly. you have to? I appreciate might that not. for sure. I will say, as somebody who played this on the Wii originally, that the motion controls feel substantially better on the Switch. Oh my lord. Uh, doing this on the Wii was a real hassle because the, the, yes, the accelerometers, I guess, in the Wii remote were just not sensitive enough. So it was so or hard to sometimes this also thing. too sensitive randomly. Or yeah, they just were bad. Really, is what I'm going for. Um, whereas <laughs> yeah. the the switch was very consistent. I think I only died once on this, and it felt like okay, I wasn't being careful enough or whatever. Like it felt like my fault. But um, I, I honestly, my favorite thing about this level, and this is kind of a theme for this whole first dome, is like the spectacle is is the thing that I like about it most. Like. Just the the visual element of this like twisty like half dome water that's just like arbitrarily cutting off in space. Um, it's a great Mario visual thing, you know, like those like abstract Definitely. because it's like we're gonna put land up in the sky. Why not have half domes of water up in the sky too? Like I, yeah. I like that just visually <laughs> but, and conceptually. Okay, it's a lazy river, but there's no water bar. <laughs> but the I, I don't know if you all found this satisfying just the wave physics of a random river in space it, it was it was just great of just you're on this yeah. thing and then there's just like this 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 weight you know if you, you you you've been on a boat you know that is what happens you know when 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 you're when you're cruising out in, in the open and and i I don't know. It just felt it felt natural. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's just a very nice touch to the to the level itself. I was actually um, since this is such a water centric level, although it doesn't actually come up much on this level, but in something like the Honey Hive Galaxy, I was actually a little disappointed that not as many of the water physics carried over from Sunshine as I as I mm. wanted to remember. Like the water doesn't. I mean, it's 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 so non central that it makes sense that that's where they would cut a corner, but. Man, I still felt like the water in, in Mario Sunshine both looked really good still and behaved really well still as water. And I don't, I don't feel like that's quite as true in Galaxy. But, you know, again, it's it's a much, much, much less central feature. Right. So it's, because it's excusable, but I was just, I don't know, a little disappointed. Makes sense. So the next one is the Flip Switch Galaxy, which is... Yeah, I found this one kind of frustrating. <laughs> uh... It it, it it we've seen flip switches through Mario. Um, if you've played Mar Mario games, these these flip switch levels come up in two D Mario games. Um, I don't remember as many flip switch or any in Sunshine, um, but uh, this one is basically a three dimensional, um, uh, basically flip switch Rubik's cube, if you uh, can put it that way, and you've got to jump over obstacles and uh you know uh flip every single switch to blue yellow 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 to yellow to yeah. collect your star um so it's a one-off galaxy um but what were your thoughts on it 
Yeah, I would largely agree with that. However, I will say that these are the kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> that that very interesting argument. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I like to be uh, concise. Yes. Well, you know, we've done this is the seventh of these. I I've 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 learned to infer what Ben is largely saying <laughs> through a series of of grunts and sarcastic <laughs> remarks. <laughs> um <laughs> Aww, but, uh, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, it's not. I don't think it was terribly interesting, but I do think that this is a nice um, intro. I think this is a really good transition to start getting you used to, like, okay, this is what it could feel like for gravity to be challenging as you're going around bends. Mm, mm. And I think that this is a good, like, sure. soft right. uh, run for them to start exploring. Like, all right, this is how this could be challenging. This one's not that hard, but this is like just a first sort of experiment and introduction to like what this could actually mean if there's a black hole at the middle and you have these kind of spaced out platforms and if you run over them oh i gotta go back over and that could be kind of challenging so i i think it's i think it's not the most memorable level necessarily but i think it's a very effective design piece in terms of like they're starting to ease you into like having to deal with this as a more discreet challenge no i agree with that i i i I found it, I think for me, I'm recognizing the patterns uh, later that are later to come in the game. Um, so, you know, I felt in training um, once I figured out the pattern of the flip switch, it was really easy, but I do like falling into the black hole. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah they actually do make that die. oddly satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it is really fun. It is fun way today. I, I could do that all day it's long. It's very visually satisfying. <laughs> well, well you will later games. on. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of games where you die and it's just like, oh, well, they didn't bother making dying look cool because they hoped you wouldn't. <laughs> but in this game, the dying <laughs> looks very cool. Well, I hated dying in sunshine in the secret levels because you fall for fucking oh, ever. You turn to a comet and you're just like, what the hell, man? Just kill me already. I'm done. I'm done with this shit. Just like Mario checking his watch on the way down. Oh, <laughs> mamma mia, mama. Okay, we're done. Um, so <laughs> he doesn't really. Does he say that often? Yes. I don't know yet. I guess. In, in, well, not okay. in this one. In Mario Sunshine, not in this he one. Was yelling, mama. No, I know, I know. I, I know. Mama was. A, no, mama. <laughs> I'm mama. Um, yeah, so last, famously said by Mario. Uh, the last level is Bowser Jr.'s robot reactor. So he did say in Sunshine he will be back mm. to get Mario, and he is back now, see, that's, as a robot. That's following reactor. through on continuity. I respect that. Yes. It, it, it is. So They um, wanted to do all this other shit, really but then much... they were like, oh, but Bowser Jr. said he would be back. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we got to work <laughs> right. that into the story now. <laughs> Damn. Um, I am drawing a blank. Because I, I didn't write descriptors for these levels. Can someone just refresh us on what happens in this level? Yes, I will refresh. So, essentially, Bowser Jr. rolls up on you. He's he's sporting this, like, really, really hot 70s Bowser hey, fucking sky ship hey, Mustang hey, type thing. Yeah, and he's playing that song, incidentally. It's kind of interesting. But... um. <laughs> <laughs> he uh anyway so he comes up and he's, he's like i got this big Interesting robot it's definitely gonna kill you 
and then you rocket from the planet that you're... Well, first of all, they do a really clever thing where you're on this small planet. Well, we'll get into that for a second. But basically, you start on one planet, and then you rocket to this other planet, and there's this giant three-legged... Um, I don't even know what it looks like, but it's it, it almost looks kind of like a shy guy, but with like three legs, and it's like a giant robot, and then you have oh, to fight yeah. it. That's, that's interesting. It feels like such a... I don't know. I, I guess I'm so used to playing this game that I'm so used to seeing that particular design of enemy because they use it a couple of times in, in yeah. various you know alterations but it reminds me of the octorock what does, from like Zelda. what is that supposed to be yeah kind of or like a like yeah. a, like a tech type like one of the water hopping spiders but it has three legs instead of, i don't know i don't know exactly what it's supposed to look like but it looks very it's cool though it is cool I'm, i i needed a refresher in it yes yeah 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 cool yes cool the boss himself, like he's he's hurling bullet bills at you, right? Yes. And he's, you've got to get the bullet bills, uh, smack them into the fence, and then you get the bullet bills into the the reactor, basically disabling the whole thing. So. Right, right. So I remember now. Yeah, you, you can go ahead. So what they, what they did? This is something that I complimented on Super Mario Sunshine, and they're doing it even more in Super Mario Galaxy. Though I will note, it's probably a little easier since this game is a lot more linear. However, um, what they do is they start you out on a relatively safe planet, although there are holes and you do have to be careful uh, because you can die. And they mm. s- put those all these caged planet objects, planet holes, you know, you got to watch out for those. But they put all these caged objects. There's a one-up mushroom. I think one I of got them. you eye holes. <laughs> um, there's a there's a one-up mushroom. And then there's one that has a Luma in it that you need to transform so that you can do the star rocket. And then the only other thing on the island is a um, bullet bill launcher. So you figure out like, oh, I've got to do something with these bullet bills. And ultimately the solution is, oh, I need to crash them into these um, these cages so that it'll unlock the contents and then you can rock it to the actual boss fight. And this is really important because what they're teaching you is that, hey, you can you can lead the bullet bills to destroy something else. And it is uh, the fight itself, I think, I wish it went on a little bit longer, to be totally honest. I wish there was a little bit more to it. However, I do really like the, that feeling when you first start running up its legs just because it's so like disorienting yeah. in terms of the gravity and it's very visually cool to look at and i do also like that when you first crash the uh, bullet bill into the reactor they put up these fences on the side and this is a great like they're giving you an option they're giving you the opportunity to be really good at the game because you can either just have a bullet bill crash into that fence and then get it to the other side of the fence on the subsequent bullet bill or if you're really good you can do a sideways jump and the bullet bill will follow you right over the fence Mm -hmm. and crash into the reactor so i I appreciate that they kind of left an Mm -hmm. opportunity open for you to be like clever with the mechanics and that's something in the earlier parts of galaxy i felt like i was missing so i like that they added that there it feels so like good when you can do that side flip and have the bullet bill travel over the over the fence too you're just like Mm. yeah i fucking did that (laughs) no i i i I agree with that i what i hope is going to happen in the game um and what i'm really excited to see is also this play with scale um a game that is that that I, I I think is one honestly one of the most beautiful games ever made uh, is Shadow of the Colossus, which you know plays with scale in such a clever way. You know, in where you're fighting the, these giant, larger than life bosses, and you know when you're climbing up the leg of of this 
enemy uh you know you do get that same feeling of, of sweeping scale you know this is a lot easier than shadow of the colossus um but i do i do enjoy the fact of anytime you get to uh you know run around on a boss you know something about it is just you you feel so small you you know you feel like you're you're you know the the boss itself is is a world um, so I thought that was a really smart thing, and I hope that they keep doing that in in this game. Uh, it's definitely not a one-off thing, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't know you that the, the rest of them are boss fights per se, but they do a lot with scale just in general, like um, and and the gravity. So yeah, definitely uh, like curved plane gravity, where it's not just mm. like here's a center point of a planetoid, and that's what you're always gravitating towards. They do a lot. Uh, as the game goes on with uh, like, you know, here's a plane that'll like warp and turn and twist where gravity is always down. And it's mm -hmm. more of a more of a challenge of like, how can I wrap my head around making a plane in three dimensions? It's like, how, how can I wrap my head around space time being twisted and having to run a straight line, which is right. actually a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Quick question. Yeah, quick, quick. Did did you guys play the Hungry Luma outside of the dome? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love those little uh, yeah. tiny, the sweet, sweet, the, what yeah. was it, sweet, sweet galaxy, I think it's called. Yeah, can we talk about that level for a minute, if we all played it? Loved it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's, the, let's definitely do. Oh, I was just going to say that, that sweet, sweet uh, uh, secret level with the Hungry Luma outside, that to me is the first moment where 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 you get one of those levels that's like a secret level from Super Mario Sunshine that feels like it's actually mm -hmm. expecting you to have a really good understanding of, of the mechanics and how to do things like a long jump, have a really good judgment of how far Mario can go. Um, and I, I love that section where you have the cookie sheets that are going underneath those little electrocution uh, fields. Yeah. Um, and th yep, that's yep. very challenging and nerve-wracking, but also like feels like a really fair challenge and like something that if you're decent at the game, you're going to be able to pull it off. And I think it also helps that this game just has that little quick midair spin just as a quick, like get out of jail free card. Um, and so it's, mm -hmm. it, it manages to get away with being more challenging than super Mario 64 would have because super Mario 64 was just super unforgiving. Uh, if you slightly misjudged something, you were done. I didn't play this level. <laughs> oh it's good you should do it well then you missed out sir yeah no i love actually uh that was the first level where i really remembered uh how much in air control they give you over mario um like you can do a long jump and you can actually wind up further back than when you started a long jump because they give you so much control over mario in the air which actually feels great because it feels so much less like the game is saying oh really you're gonna do that well, you're going to fucking die because you did that. And you can like self-correct in the air. It just actually it makes it feel a lot more fair and it makes it feel more challenging because they can be harsher on you because now it really is on you to jump properly and land properly and judge distance properly. And uh, the Sweet Sweet Galaxy is an excellent introduction into a pure platforming challenge for this kind of game. And yeah, no, it's great. Uh, those, those secret little levels that aren't quite secret because... There's a Luma being like, "Come talk to me." <laughs> they're they're a lot of fun actually, and I'm I'm looking forward to going through them again.
we'll just jump into final thoughts of uh, this uh, dome. Uh, I think we forgot to mention that in this segment of our podcast, we will be um, completing Galaxy Dome by Dome. So uh, we'll go on to Dome 2 next week. Um, my final thoughts, uh, again, just going back to I'm not an experienced Galaxy player. I have not finished the game, and I haven't played it in a very long time. Um, it kind of, I kind of feel like I'm playing the game for the first time. Um, that being said, I'm just having a lot of fun um, with this game. I read a review by the uh, one of the developers of Street Fighter slash Tekken, um, and I agree with what he said. He considers this one of his favorite games that's ever been made, and he states the reason why. It goes back to kind of Luke's um, thesis of uh, hard fun and soft fun and how how Galaxy is kind of like the perfect combination. So mm. he defines soft fun as collectibles, running around, exploration, you know. Like, like Banjo-Kazooie style. Banjo-Kazooie, we crash Bandicoot in a certain sense, you know, the, these... these the, these um you know uh action adventure um uh pieces that you have to grab and move around your character and then the hard fun is uh just you know the puzzle elements and how you know in this game it's maximized by the the play with um uh f- physics and, and mechanics um or the application mechanics of the physics of the game so i was just reading it and i was just like that's that's exactly kind of how i feel about this game in addition the the music is i like it a lot better than sunshine it's more it's more cinematic but it makes me feel like i'm kind of in like disneyland i'm kind of like playing <laughs> yeah. in like this disneyland environment um i love this idea of bounce light it something that people just don't think about in general like you know and in, in if you're designing a piece of art you're you know you're you're designing an illustration you know you're always thinking about main light sources secondary light sources you know uh but bounce lighting is a whole another phenomenon that needs to be considered and they they make the, it makes the game look so so beautiful so you know so far i'm, I'm just having a great time uh playing playing a uh, galaxy I'm glad to hear that. It is it's genuinely one of my one of my favorite games. It's by far my favorite Mario game. So mm. hey. Glad you're liking it, hey. buddy. Oh, thank you, friend. I love this game. I'm looking forward to going through it again. I was genuinely looking for an excuse to to replay it. Um I, I haven't in a couple of years because, you know, I gave my Wii away to my friend who has a very young child and I was like, oh, she's gotta play some of this show. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to have another excuse to go back through it again for the umpteenth time. And uh, I'm here for the ride. Woohoo! <laughs> to quote Ben. To quote Mario. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Wahoo! Luke. Ben Scandal. Yes. Mario. So Mario. Um, <laughs> Ben kind of cleverly alluded to this earlier. Uh, and this was kind of uh, what I was thinking for my closing thoughts this week is that uh, when I gave my final closing thoughts on Super Mario 64, I said something to the effect of, like, it didn't have to be this way. Um, all of Super <laughs> Mario 64 could have been what the uh, Bowser levels were in Super Mario 64. And to a certain extent, to me, that's what Mario Galaxy is. Uh, I think that it's kind of fitting in, in my brain the way that I organize it is that 
I don't see Super Mario Galaxy as being quite in the same tradition or sort of trajectory as the other 3D Mario games. What I think of it is like you have Super Mario Land, Super Mario World, Super Mario Galaxy. So they're kind of like zooming further out into the scale of this sort of like tradition of like level-based with secrets Mario games. And to me, that's what Mario Galaxy is. It is the sequel to Super Mario World. And in a lot of ways, it kind of makes good on that. It, it has the same sort of uh, basic structure where uh, you have these fairly linear levels, but they just become more and more involved and complex. And there are uh, additional sort of secrets that you can find in them that can unlock these other pathways. So I think that the beginning of this game, the first world, I don't think is quite as interesting or as engaging as 64 or Sunshine. But I do love the core mechanic, and I think that that is always just so impressive, both visually and just the way that it feels. Um, so I'm really excited to, to keep going from there and uh, relive some of the, the really cool stuff that I know comes later. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. All right. So you can join us next time. We are the Super Plumber Brothers uh, as we cover Dome 2 of Super Mario Galaxy. So, see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>